Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Our guest today is Maor Sadra, co-founder and CEO at Incremental. In today's episode, we dive into how last touch attribution has always been fraught with inaccuracies and how in measuring incrementality might just be the best way to understand what the true impact of your digital marketing is. I'm very excited to welcome Maor Sadra to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Maor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shamant, and uh, thank you for making the extra effort to try to pronounce my name correctly. It's a, it's a common joke that my name gets butchered. I'm fine with it, but thank you for making the extra effort and inviting me. Absolutely, absolutely, Maur. So, uh, yeah, definitely thrilled to have you because certainly I've learned quite a lot from what you've shared on public forums and communities just over the last couple of months as we've all tried to make sense of the changes coming our way. Uh, so definitely, I think you've offered some very unique and interesting perspectives on how to approach measurement in a few months. And, uh, you know, that is definitely something I'm thrilled to dive into with you today. Yeah, to start off, our, until now, Last Touch has been the most uh, widely prevalent way to attribute and measure performance on mobile. And you have expressed that, it's always been problematic. Can you tell us what have been some of the key problems associated with last touch attribution? Yeah, yeah. So I think we need to remember that last touch attribution is prevalent because there was no real other options. Uh, basically, it's like if you come from offline advertising or desktop advertising, um, you know of the option of a media mix modeling. You know of an option of multi-touch um, um, attribution. You know how to actually look at the entire funnel because uh, you do own your domain. Uh, if you're, uh, let's take Uber in the desktop, uh, you would own uber.com and you would know the traffic coming to uber.com and can analyze it and can come up with your own attribution model based on your user behavior. Uh, in mobile, it wasn't the, the case. So like when the, the app stores were launched, there was no real way to get um, any tracking done. And uh, back then, the 2012, the attribution companies were kind of launched. All of them were UDID device tracking. Uh, later on, UDID got deprecated and replaced with IDFA, Google AID. Um, but still, the way that the um, attribution or MP uh, companies uh, did their tracking is they were tracking everything, impressions, clicks, wherever they could. And I think a lot because the big platforms, when Facebook started their Facebook mobile, from day one, they were self-attributing. And from day one, um, in order for an MMP to join the MMP program and to basically send their post back to Facebook and so on, and later Google as well, um, 
the way to do so was to send them all installs. So the MMP service for developers was they're going to deduplicate everything and they're going to show you who was the last one to touch. Now, from here to becoming an absolute truth, this is the source that generated my install, my conversion. I think that that was a stretch that the industry, for some reason, just accepted. Everybody just accepted. Now, it doesn't make sense because if you think how marketing works, there is a funnel, um, AIDA, it's a short for it. It's awareness, interest, desire, uh, action. So usually it takes some time for users to get to know the product, maybe explore it, click it, download it, use it, spend money in it, and so on. And to give 100% credit to whoever just tapped the user last, especially in our industry, um, actually created a notion of fraud. Because if you're a fraudulent publisher and you know that you just need to tap the user, win an install, and sometimes that's 5 to 10 bucks for a single install, it becomes a very easy system to actually manipulate, and it became quite messy. And I think that, uh, well, I don't doubt the attribution company's place in the industry, but I think that what the uh, uh, like last touchpoint attribution simply did not allow you to understand incremental value you're getting as an advertiser. Yeah, and you make a good point about the last touch being very easy to gain for some anybody that wants to be unscrupulous, including, I would say, Facebook and Google. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody where we said, look, if an ad tech company claims the last click or the impression, it's called fraud. If Facebook does it, they call it self-attribution, uh, but it's essentially the same modus operandi. So certainly I think the last touch can be problematic in very many ways. And you would think that the solution to the problem of last touch is multi-touch attribution. Now, with that said, very few companies have adopted multi-touch attribution. Uh, we had an episode of the show where we talked with Holly Chen from Slack and how and why Slack adopted it. In fact, they were like, oh, we are growing like gangbusters on mobile, but our mobile LTV is so low. And that was just because the last such model wasn't working. So they built out a uh, multi-touch model. With that said, why would you say nearly every other company has not built out multi-touch models? Yeah, so I think Slack, by the way, is a good example of a unique uh, advertiser who's B2B. I guess a lot of the usability is on the app, but the registration, the payment, um, that probably happens mostly through web. Now, when your conversion point ends in web, you're much better off trusting the web funnel because, again, they own the domain. So they're mm -hmm. always able to understand where the users have been before they came to their uh, website. Uh, they know the funnel, there's the MTAs, um, and they're really able to actually control it, both tracking and, and create an attribution model from themselves. Now, again, when you have a website and when you funnel users to convert through the website, it makes a lot of sense. When you funnel users to convert via mobile, this is where you cannot do multi-touch. And actually, when I was working on the startup uh, that I'm building now, um, original idea was multi-touch. Original idea was we're going to go to advertisers, developers. We're going to build attribution as, as a service for them. So it sits on their domain, and then we can get all the data. And of course, you cannot really get all the data. Facebook, Google, Amazon, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, all of these are uh, self-reporting, self-attributing, 
Um, and now, of course, with this iOS 14 change, it's like, um, again, changes everything. So I'm very glad we didn't do it because it's not really possible to offer multi-touch attribution in a mobile environment. Plus, because you have this like behemoths that are self-reporting, um, the amount of overlap you're going to see is close to 100%. As long as you are you have a product that is mass market, everybody's going to touch the same users. So if uh, you know, no one talks about the reach anymore, but Google, Facebook, they have the same reach. Amazon has a pretty significant reach as well. Um, so when all of them are basically claiming, well, we showed the user an ad, we generated the install, uh, you have a little bit of a challenge to actually try to even apply multi-touch. Uh, what, one way to do multi-touch in uh, mobile would be communism. Take your budget, divide it by the number of vendors you have. That's, you get the point. Yeah, just so I understand this more clearly, you're saying, look, the touches might happen on Facebook, on Google, on Snapchat, on TikTok, and you don't have access to that data, or you have access to data as reported by them, which is not reliable enough to form a multi-touch model. Is that... No, I I would more say the first. So I think that the data is probably reliable. Like I I think that there's a reason why these platforms are so good for developers because they have crazy reach and crazy targeting abilities, but the overlap... So you're going to basically end up seeing almost all the time the same users being touched by all of them because all of them have a reach that is close to 100%. Right. So theoretically, isn't that the problem MT is supposed to solve? Because, oh, everyone has the same reach, but users saw Facebook first, Google second, Snap third. Let's allocate the install and the spend between these three. That's the problem MT is supposed to solve, the fact that, yeah. Should, but that's that's the data you're not getting on mobile. So you're not getting impression level data or click level data from Facebook. I think from Google, you're able to get clicks in retrospect. But when you have just Facebook by themselves, if they're not disclosing this and you are a B2C okay. advertiser, that's a 30, 40% of the market that you're just missing out on. Right. So you're getting aggregate impression and click data, but not individual user level data. Exactly. And therefore, you couldn't do this. At the end, and just, just so you're clear, it's like the attribution companies today, take uh, any of them, they are not getting this data from Facebook. Actually, they don't get anything from Facebook other than uh, Facebook telling them, here's the last time we saw this user. So we claim this install, whether if you like it or not. The attribution company will say, we look in their system and say, well, no, it was Unity who generated the last click. So Unity wins the uh, install on our platform. Facebook doesn't care. They will still right. claim install. Right. And right. that's right. kind right. of the challenges with this uh, model. That's why sure. um, we decided not to go for multi-touch. Um, C- yeah. Certainly. And again, uh, just to dwell on that a little bit more before we go on, you said on web, it's less of a problem. Uh, so I understand that aspect correctly. If you own your domain, you will get individual user click data and impression data. Is that what happens? Well, let's take a Facebook. Facebook click from web goes to your uber.com, slack.com. It's a direct access. It's not to the app store where you need to kind of triangulate the data, whether if it's IDFA matching or fingerprint matching, you're basically relying on a third party to kind of triangulate the data and tell you, this is whoever did it. When you own the right. domain, you don't need anyone for it. Basically. Right. Right. So you could basically say 
user ID number 25 came from Facebook. Exactly. Because, exactly. because yeah, you, they're, they're tagged with it. Yeah, you set up the URL on Facebook and you set up the URL to your domain with your parameters. So you have full control and that's only on web. Gotcha. I see exactly how that works. Uh, and just to keep going, right? So clearly for those reasons, MTA can be challenging to make work in mobile. And uh, another way to measure performance would just be to measure incrementality or to understand what the lift is from any element in the media mix. Can you describe at a high level, what is this approach and how a marketer might adopt it in a post iOS 14 paradigm? Yeah. So I like in my view, by the way, what Apple did is, uh, is good for the industry. Many people, by the way, uh, I'm an opinionated person. Many people, of course, think differently. But uh, the fact that Apple eliminates this option of user-level tracking without full user consent uh, with a pretty, you know, aggressive pop-up and an alternative that is SKAD network that works on an aggregate level, campaign level, and not uh, individual user click install, uh, in my view, is good because uh, the way marketing works, uh, marketing is not deterministic. Like, I wish it was, but it's not. And... Uh, Often we, we want to tell ourselves it's very deterministic. We know exactly what caused this install, but it's not causality that we often know. We know correlation. Um, often, you know, we run a bunch of ads, we see a lot of installs. It's fine. As long as you work with one vendor, you know, you can very much understand your incremental value. But what happens when you work with 10 and 15 and 60? And that's a... The average marketer works with between 15 and 60 different vendors. Now, add countries, add various apps. You start really getting lost in the data. And when you're only relying on a last touch point attribution, you're just seeing reports that tell you whoever touched the user last, but you start losing grip of, is this actually valuable, this spend? Would I have gotten these users for free? And often what... Uh, what causes advertisers to realize that maybe we're spending a little bit too much is something that is not related to marketing. So needing to stop the campaigns because you have some issue or bug or running out of budgets. Or in the Uber case, um, it was uh, the delete Uber hashtag in the US that made them kind of stop advertising. I'm pretty sure now, by the way, with this pandemic, many advertisers who pause advertising for budget management, I'm not talking about the travel industry, which is massively hurt, but if you're an advertiser who stopped advertising for budget management, suddenly you look at your KPIs and you might be thinking, hmm, my numbers should be significantly lower right now, but they're not. And yes, there is a halo effect. And yes, there is an organic effect from your advertising. But now that you will reactivate your campaigns, maybe you'll do it a bit smartly. Now, challenges that like to do incrementality testing sporadically once in a while um, doesn't really allow you to continuously optimize what you're doing. Um, I know one advertiser, a very big gaming casual company who does this test once a year, stops all advertising, reactivates vendor by vendor, and they do manage to cut away 50% of their budget every year by doing so. Now, just imagine if they could be doing this ongoingly. And if you think offline, Coca-Cola, great example, Nike, great example, they run a campaign for a set limited period of time, two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks. They stop the campaign 
And then um, they rely on panel reporting, survey reporting, sales reports. They rely on reports in retrospect to kind of help them reevaluate what was my media mix. Did I actually see an increase in sales for the product that was advertising? If they don't, they can actually now do it better for the next time. And they do get better and better and better. But none of them tries to conclude that what they're doing is deterministic. I think that's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of the arrogancy we have in uh, digital advertising because we've been in digital advertising. And for us, offline is what we see on Mad Men. Yeah, and I think determinism, I think it's always been imperfect. In fact, we had an episode of our podcast that went out yesterday. I think one of the things I said in that is LTV has always been a made-up number. And even if you say it is deterministic, you're making up numbers because just because... And I have been in fairly big companies where people fought about how to define LTV. And it just came down to corporate politics, right? Somebody was like, oh, we need to take two-year LTV. We need to take K-factor. We need to take 50% K-factor. We need to give a big launch budget because we have an IP behind it. So there's still so much subjectivity. So it just, you know, uh, I think it was just a very imperfect metric to begin with. Uh, so certainly it makes sense uh, as the approach you do describe, which is, look, what is the incremental that we can see from any campaign or any initiative or a channel. So you did say on mobile, some of the bigger companies run anywhere from 15 to 60 channels, multiplied by countries, multiplied by apps. Now, with that sort of a media mix, how would you recommend that a marketer think about isolating variables that have an impact versus those that don't? And as to, to provide a little more context, right? So it's like out of 15, if you stop one, you may or may not see a lift. So how, how should they think about this? How should they think about modeling it if they're sitting down with their data scientists at this point? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit kind of like leaning towards what uh, we're doing. But I would say that, so the way increment, incrementality testing works today, uh, Facebook offers incrementality testing. Uh, many, many DSPs specifically in um, retargeting area offers um, incrementality pricing even. Now, if you're a single platform, and as long as you have access to user-level data, you can create control groups. Um, you can, of course, uh, separate them and show them PSA, ghost ads, whatever. Challenge is there still, you don't know what these users see outside my platform. So I would say that, you know, Facebook's uh, incrementality testing tool, it's a great sales tool for Facebook. Same as uh, for most DSPs who offer it, it's a fantastic sales tool because you can actually show your customer, hey, look, I am adding value for you on my platform based on what I can show you. But indeed, you still don't know if the spend itself is actually adding incremental value. Now, our approach, um, like what we're building in our company is uh, we're using causal inference. So we're using algorithms that basically look at difference in difference, change. Change is actually the most important uh, parameter for us because with change, we can start creating these branches in time in retrospect to come up with recommendations. We're not claiming to be deterministic, again, because I simply do not believe in determinism in marketing. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the approach. I know that many customers that we spoke with, you know, interviewing to understand what should we be building, 
many of them tested or tried to do incrementality tests, but either they end up with correlation, like, you know, it's hot outside, so I have a fan on me, amazing, um, but they don't reach causation. And reaching causation or causality is way more important, is way more difficult. And of course, I think many are still trying to do it with the notion of real time and the notion of determinism. I think Apple forces everybody for a paradigm change, which it'll take some time for people to adapt because everybody's still used to how things were and that's never going to happen again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think making that shift for the first time is going to be a challenge, but people will hopefully get used to the new way of doing things soon enough. So in an incrementality model or paradigm, how should a marketer think about small changes? For instance, again, if they have 25 channels, They're like, oh, I want to test TikTok on a very small scale, maybe $500 a day to see if it works. That's the model that has been used until this point. Is that model going to go out the window or how should they think about testing initiatives before scaling them? Yeah, so let's, let's, for example, talk about creative because creative changes sometimes are very subtle, but they mean a lot. And now there, for example, this is where last touch point this is where last touch point attribution is a fantastic proxy because conversion rate between click and an install based on last touch point in the same vendor means a lot. And if you have two creatives and one of them has 1% and one of them has 2%, that's a hundred percent difference. So I'm very glad that Apple actually gave people SKN network, which is a deterministic way to do last touch point attribution it sucks that they don't actually, they didn't yet add creative ID. For some reason, it was completely ignored, but I'm fairly certain they will add it later. But again, last point attribution is fantastic as a proxy for real-time attribution. If you're doing programmatic and you're buying on CPM and you're spending quite a lot of money, um, last point attribution is your best proxy to know, am I actually wasting money completely or am I getting something? It still doesn't mean that you shouldn't in addition, look at your incremental lift. So, you know, what we're building is not coming to say, we're going to replace the attribution companies. We're not there. Uh, we don't think we'll ever be there. It's, uh, but I think that there was a miss, there was a blind spot and this was value measurement. And I always use the Uber example because Uber was like, you know, it's a public, it's a public case that everybody knows. Um, and it was massive, and they they did everything supposedly right, but they still got it wrong. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, and if you are advertising only on one channel, let's just say on Facebook alone, is the incrementality approach helpful or not? Or if so, how how, how would you recommend somebody using it? Yeah, well, I would say that if you use... It really, of course, depends on your scale and size. But uh, let's say if you're starting up and you're running a 20K a month uh, spend and it's all on Facebook in single country, single campaign, you're optimizing for creative. I would still do a sporadic check here and there. Stop the campaign for a few days because if you're spending that little, it's not that significant. Ideally, I would still do sporadic checks just to constantly optimize how much you're actually uh, getting out of this spend. But of course, it's not as important for you if you're running multiple platforms. Yeah, definitely. Right, And as the number of your platforms and channels increase, I think 
A, your budgets are much larger, so you have much more at stake. And certainly this becomes much, much more significant as you grow your media mix. Maur, this has been very instructive. Uh, and definitely, I think we are on the cusp of some massive changes. And uh, I certainly learned so much from our chat just now, much as I have from uh, reading your writings thus far. Uh, this is perhaps a good place for us to start to wrap up. But before we do that, uh, could you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and everything you're doing? Yeah, so uh, first I'm on mobile dev memo, pretty active there. Uh, LinkedIn as well, or Sadra, uh, incremental.com as well, minus two of the vowels in the middle. It doesn't make it easier. Sure. Sure. <laughs> we have a link to it, yeah. so people can just click and go there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. So we will link to incremental.com. Uh, and of course, your LinkedIn uh, just as well. Would you like to tell us a bit more about what incremental is and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. So we're a pretty uh, young company. We just uh, launched, uh, well, we actually founded the company only this month, but we already started full time on it uh, since uh, April. We've been researching the topic for a while. Uh, so what Incremental is, it's a software company. Uh, it provides testing tools for incrementality for um, app developer advertisers. Um, again, we were not counting on Apple doing this change and putting us in a more hyped positioning, but indeed, uh, now incrementality testing is exactly what many marketers would need with this change. So, yeah, I'm glad that we're doing this because it solves a big problem that has been aching me uh, for a while. I come from 20 years of media um, so I've always wondered, am I actually giving value? And now I'll be able to answer this question. Indeed, indeed. And you're going to be able to answer this question without having anything very deterministic, right? And which is what I find very impressive about everything you've described and the approach you described on today's interview as well. Maor, this is a good place for us to wrap. Uh, thank you again for being on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If you find this helpful in any manner, I would love for you to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Every rating and review matters a ton to us, so thank you for listening.